Here's your host, Alex Garrett. And indeed, here we are, and it is sort of the middle of a storm. I'm trying to figure out if this is Aeseus making his way up the coast, or if this is a separate storm. Nonetheless, whether in the Bronx or whether in Queens, where I'm literally looking outside my window, the rain has visited New York City. And uh, actually, this podcast tonight has nothing to do with the rain, but I just thought I'd let you know that, yeah... <laughs> What else to do? There's, he really shouldn't be going out in this, so why not podcast a little bit? Eh, it's a Monday night. And I hadn't podcasted at all today. In fact, my good pal, Mr. Mike Myers, Radio Hope, will call me just as I was in the subway on the way to work. We'll get back together soon enough for a good uh, smash hit of podcasting, if you will. Um, but for now, got a couple of things weighing on me. Firstly... Mm-hmm. And that is thunder you just heard. Firstly, uh, wow, that kind of shook me a little bit. But uh, firstly, saw this movie, Catch Me If You Can. Now, if you don't remember it, I don't blame you. It was in 2002. However, if you do remember it, and maybe even caught it on Bravo this past weekend, my goodness, watching this movie at age 28 is way different than watching it at age 11, age 12, where you only remember a couple things, like running, chasing each other down. Tom Hanks was this uh, FBI agent, Rand Hattie, I think his name was Carl, and Frank Abagnale Jr., which is a true story, was played by Leonardo DiCaprio. And um, so we watched it, and I was like, man, I remember some of this stuff. I only remember the scene where he goes... Merry Christmas, Carl. Do you remember that? Where Leo did that? Anyway, what a story. You know, I wondered if Abingdale did not end up working for the FBI after committing fraud, conning a millions of dollars in forged checks, pretty much at the end of such a drastic chase where he played a pilot. He played a doctor. In his real life, he played all these different roles. He tried to get a part of Louisiana bar. I mean... And he did get on the bar. And he was an attorney. But all these different things he did was to get away from the law, law enforcement. Hatton Reddy's team got to him eventually. And it actually took him to France, which is very interesting. Because uh, of his mother's connection there. But the, the best part of that story and why I'm so intrigued, not only because of the lifestyle he lived and was all over the map and literally couldn't stop himself from fleeing the FBI, fleeing law enforcement, is the redemption he had. And he still speaks on that redemption today. Hanratty hired Frank Abingdale to be part of the FBI to get rid of fraud and get rid of the, um, the fake checks that were being written, sniffing them out, getting these people that were committing fraud. I mean, he literally humbled himself. Frank Abagnale, the guy that was a playboy, literally partying it up, humbled himself enough to work with the FBI to fix it, to say, you know what? I made these mistakes, but I don't want to see others make the mistake. And now he's a public speaker. and In fact, he's got a website. 
does Frank Abagnale Jr., which I'll link up after this podcast. And then it, it kind of exemplified a study which Christian Miller of Wake Forest, he's a doctor at Wake Forest University, highlighted that if there's no chance of getting caught, you will continue to lie your way through anything 80% of the time if you know there's no consequence. And the fact that Abingdale was doing that, was frauding at a very young age, he's a teenager, to then becoming a better man, I think losing his father didn't help him, is inspirational. So if you want a dose of inspiration, I highly recommend you watch that movie again if you haven't watched already. Catch me if you can. It actually became a Broadway show, too. That's how enthralling the story was. And once he was caught, he did not resist authority, but he began helping them. And there's going to be another crack of thunder because I just saw lightning. Oh, I saw a lot of lightning just now. So get ready for my nerves to jump here as uh, we are in the middle of a storm right now. But... That being said, this, there it is, this idea of him humbling himself is so important and and such a lesson. And I wish more would humble themselves in this day and age. I wish those who always feel above like these baseball players that get the COVID positives, humble themselves and say, yes, I have people around me that need me to be healthy, that need me not to get sick with COVID because we don't want them catching it. And maybe they can use, uh, you know, and this is the other thing, right? We're all sort of running away from COVID-19. We're trying to flee from it. We're trying to be a fugitive against COVID. And are we doing it the right way? Because if we try and run away from it, unfortunately, there could be a running into it that we don't know. Or don't bother to think of. So I hope you're staying safe. I hope Mr. Abingdale, who's now 72, by the way, is safe. And I hope that people can mature to the point where they humble themselves, like Mr. Abingdale did. To, and I wouldn't say submit, but to to not resist authority. And I'm reminded as I talk about this, one other quote that I really want to share from Christian Miller's book, uh, The Character Gap, which, by the way, I will be interviewing Mr. Miller for this weekend. But he cited this Yale professor, Stanley Milgram, the Milgram experiments where they would literally have someone under supervision shock a regular person, an innocent person, because authority told them the regular person to shock the other person. And what his studies led him to believe and say is the disappearance of a sense of responsibility is most far-reaching a consequence of submission to authority. When we start saying, well, he told me to do that, or she told me to do that, or 
They told me, but why'd you do it then? Maybe it's time we get rid of the, well, I heard it from someone to do that, so I'm going to do that. Maybe it's time to say, uh, to stop saying, well, they did it, why, why shouldn't I? Maybe it's just time to stop following the herd and, and saying, you know what, this is not right. And I've actually argued for this before. Why not have it to where in these group chats, what a play by DJ LeMayhew, by the way, what a, what a play that was. Uh, that was last year. Anyway, um, what a... And post plus ultra media, Ed Gilgado in the house. Hello, Eddie. Um, and so, yeah, well, if we're not willing to take responsibility, uh, what's the point? If these players are not willing to take responsibility, what's the point? You know, up in Wisconsin, which is where the Cardinals actually rolled into Milwaukee with the COVID positives. I'm sure Milwaukee staff is like, what the hell just happened? And so I, I agree with Milgram. I, I think his studies of electrocuting and shocking people to 450 volts under supervision is cruelty. However, it got to us to a point where we can, where he can say, you know, if we are obedient to authority, we can almost be it to a fault. Oh, I'm and, and so that being said, uh, I, I just felt all this. And then there's another thing that's happened today that really boggled my mind. In my Facebook memories, I have a, a quote from Ralph Walder Emerson. This is incredible. And the quote I actually cited eight years ago in 2012, it feels so so uh, relevant today. Because as you know, in this section of Alex Garrett Podcasting, there is a section for Ralph Waldo Emerson. Because I picked up the exact thesis that he wrote about just a few weeks ago. And I'm pretty sure what I'm about to read you is from that thesis. I'm almost a thousand percent sure. And it's because of this quote and the idea I found it again that I am inspired to keep this going. And here we go. August 3rd, 2012. Persistence and perseverance conquer all things. Now, I wrote that. I quoted Emerson as a college student just dealing with sports radio, college radio. Just dealing with play-by-play and public address. So isn't it wild that I all of a sudden, eight years later, have this podcast still going, have Emerson as a feature in the podcast world, and it's almost like proving Emerson's point. Persistence and perseverance conquer all things. There are days, I swear to goodness, where I don't want to do this sometimes. Oh, I don't feel like talking, or I don't feel like updating this project, that project. But I do it because, and this statement feels so true. Because the more you do it, the more foundation you can lay for something bigger and better. 
So Ralph Waldo Emerson, thank you for your inspiration. God, thank you, God, for bringing him back into my life this past summer in June to where I was inspired to create a series for him. And I haven't updated that series. That's true. But I'm just... Uh, I'm just flabbergasted that I found this. And I wouldn't say it's full circle. You know, when someone says, well, it's full circle and that's the end of it. No. That actually should inspire you to say, well, let's not stop now. If I'm buying an Emerson quote from eight years ago, let's start talking about him again. Let's start talking about people whose lives have been changed through perseverance. I mean, Abignale Jr. was pretty perseverant in evading law. It was quite a way he did it. Until he couldn't anymore. But I mean, his perseverance to keep the high roller life going was part of his journey, I have to believe. It's We're all part of these journeys. I've said this, I said this on Mike Meyer's show yesterday. Even watching his baseball series, why should I get upset about that? It's a journey, man. Why stop those projects? I know Ed Delgado wants to continue his podcast and continue growing it. Why not? And I also have to say that finally, after I posted this video of a dead New York City on 6th Avenue, and I don't believe I'm the cause of this at all, Yet I'm seeing headlines that Cuomo wants people back in New York City. Finally, someone is saying, I'm not going to be above you with this. I want to help you. Uh, that's the impression I get anyway from what I've been reading. Because if the governor actually wants to help the city when we have a mayor who doesn't seem to want to help anything, I don't know. I'm all for it. I'm all for if you're going to help the city, then fix the bail reform laws even more. But I'm all for providing incentives to come back to this city. You know how the city became this city? It's because of perseverance. It's because Rudy persevered and cleaned off 42nd Street. And now I'm back. I sometimes think, and I have to get off in a little bit here, but I sometimes think, Well, no, not sometimes. I personally have this drive. Because New York City did keep me alive. The amazing doctors and nurses for 77 days in this beautiful city made sure I can get back into my home apartment in New York City at days old. Yeah, AOC is nice on the eyes. And sometimes when she speaks... It's not all out there. A lot of it is, but sometimes there are things. You know, I, I think that the thing is, we cannot discredit everything these people do. I'm sorry, we can't. If there's a good thing, you gotta give them credit for it. I don't like that Yoho criticized the way he did of, of AOC. Um, that's just not right. And I think she... 
And there have been other things about AOC that she actually has done. When she's not in front of the crowd, when she's actually in her hearings, she actually makes sense some of the time. I know that'll make conservative ears bleed, but that's just the truth. But, um, no, I, I post these videos, and it's almost like I feel like I'm one of the only ones that care about the city. Because the city gave me life, I do feel like it's time to take up the responsibility in one way or another of documenting the lifelessness, the, the good, the bad, the ugly of New York City right now. And say, hey, we still can do this. We still can be vibrant. We still can be New York City. Just like I should still keep going with Ralph Alder Emerson. And it's that quote and knowing eight years later how far this podcast has gone that inspires me to keep going. To not stop being perseverant. And not stop putting my thoughts out there. Even if people don't like it, I don't care anymore. It's a fire in my belly. And what this quarantine's done and what even partnering with Mike Myers and Ed Delgado has done is is let me or, or given me this way of thinking. Not just coming out of here, hey, did you hear the news today? No, it's like, what deeper conversation can we have today that's not being talked about? And the one last thing about perseverance and self-responsibility, this evening I rolled up the hill. I could take a bus, but instinct said, you know what, roll up the hill. And there's something about not waiting on someone else to get me where I need to go. That is so empowering, is so cool. Especially going up a hill. Uh, Especially looking at a hill Going back up to my home. Well, that's daunting. Is it? No, it's not daunting. But after a long day, maybe the mindset thinks it is until you break that mindset. You go up the hill. You push the, on the roller blade up the hill. And you feel this sense of responsibility that you owned that role. You owned your way going home. I'm not saying a bus is a bad idea. I'm just saying for me, I need to... Branch out best I can. I, I'll tell you a quick story about rollerblading, by the way. One, one other thing. In 2012, yeah, after Hurricane Sandy, a couple, like about a week, I think, after, the 14th Street fuse blew. And by the way, there was really not much ability moving around in the city, you know, to and from the city. But one of those times... I rollerbladed across the Queensboro Bridge, which I've done before. And I'm like, this is cool. To just be on my own, to roll on my own, to enjoy the experience and to feel in my zone without someone trying to get me to and fro. I mean, that's exciting. And so when I look at the battle of $600 more unemployment, I'm twisted with that. Because I don't want people who aren't employed to lose out. But I also believe that we have a responsibility to be self-reliant. We do. And I don't know how many times I have to say it. If a guy who frauded the system for years 
like Mr. Abagnale did, can finally take responsibility and say, I'm going to help you fix this trend instead of add to it. That right now, we need that inspiration to crack down on those who think responsibility doesn't matter anymore. Because it does. Right to the fact that a bubble should have been implemented in baseball. Why? Because I think you'd be helping players with responsibility. Right now, I still think like some of these guys don't think they have to do anything to keep people safe. So in that case, I think a bubble would encourage self-responsibility. I would hope so. It seemingly has done it with baseball, with hockey and basketball. And I don't even want to get into the kneeling part of this tonight. I'm not. I'm not going to do that. I, I don't want to get my blood pressure up. If they want to do something before the anthem, okay. But not during the national anthem. I'm sorry. That just is... It's the national anthem. It's the national anthem. For years, people have stood for that. For years, veterans have actually stood off, stood up from their wheelchairs and saluted the flag during the anthem. It's one of those how far have we come moments, isn't it? To me, it is. Because if a veteran can get up out of his wheelchair after fighting for America and stand for the national anthem, I'd almost say kneeling for it is, is a slap in the face to that veteran. It really is. And when you kneel, you kind of say, you know what? I'm not taking responsibility. I'm going to kneel because... Someone else should take responsibility for this. No, stand up. Do what you can to take the responsibility of having good relationships with the police. See, if you bow, you almost say, I don't want a good connection with the police. And that message shouldn't be sent either. That really shouldn't. What else was on my mind? Uh, yeah, so so all of that today in one mind-filling day. And trying to figure out words on how to say this. Because maybe you didn't watch Catch Me If You Can. I don't know. But I highly recommend it. I highly recommend how people can change your life and become not fraudsters, but actually helpers toward cracking down on crime. I'm sure El Delgado would agree that when inner city, when the inner city has people become law enforcement, those who get the community, that's better off, right? I mean, that seems to be part of it. And I just think joining the other, quote-unquote, other side, the police, to maintain law and order is actually a very redeeming quality um, for those who want to change their lives up. It really is. It shows that you're serious about your community and you want to fix it now. Not tomorrow, not five days from now, but now. 
And so, what what will you take personal responsibility for after listening to this? What can you do to take up the cause in your own way and fight for it, but also say, I'm going to do what I need to do. Take my responsibility with me everywhere I go. And not pawn it off on someone else. Cause, and to ir- irritate. To re, re, uh, revisit that quote. I love this quote. The disappearance of a sense of responsibility is the most far-reaching consequence of submission to authority. So, <coughs> if you... At the same time, don't resist cops. I mean, that's not what this is trying to say either. But, but if you listen to someone who may not have someone else's interest in mind because they're they're your boss or whatever, maybe don't do it. But this this quote to me is a bigger thing. We cannot let the government continue to pay us out month by month that will be submission to authority to a higher extent and some yes need it but others could say I don't want it I want to go back to work so let's not get too comfortable with this idea of $1200 stimulus checks let's not let's get comfortable with putting people back in the offices when the time is right. And believe it or not, I saw foot traffic. I saw car traffic today in downtown Manhattan, and I was very excited about that. I was extremely excited about that. And it gives me hope. And again, authority won't give us a glimmer of hope. We have to find that ourselves. We have to find it ourselves. So I'll keep looking for my glimmers of hope. I hope you do too. I hope you take the responsibility that's needed. And I agree with you, Ed, that many would trade their freedom for the illusion of security. And that has to change. Because I truly believe the only security is literally watching our own backs on the streets of these cities that have gone to ish watching our own backs strongest thing we could do arm up if you need to if you feel that scared I am always thankful I have my crutches I think if someone ever tried some I I'm pretty athletic it just wouldn't be in my nature but you know what I'm reading story after story and I'm, I'm, I'm just mentally preparing myself for the day where I might have to defend myself. I hope it never comes. I hope you never have to defend yourself. But the way it's looking is authority doesn't want to take care of us. Instead, they want to just tell us what to do. And I do believe, I, I believe this as strongly as I said on Facebook yesterday, Iron fisting 
businesses, telling them what to do is really the most authoritarian, besides killing people in the name of the government, um, the most authoritarian thing you could do right now. It is. You are exercising your governmental power when in all reality, the business should be able to decide for themselves and should be trusted. It's not 10, 11, 12, 14, 15, 16-year-olds running these bars. These are grown people getting violations, being told, you don't know what you're doing. Well, I don't see Cuomo or de Blasio walking the streets of New York trying to figure out what exactly they're doing. I don't see them building up the amazing outdoor dining setups. I see them sitting behind a chair every morning. And I'm tired of that too. I'm extremely tired of that actually. And yet the media just keeps on reporting what they're saying. And that's a problem too. Because there's so many that don't want to see beyond the headlines. Actually experience it for themselves. I'm doing that. Even though I'm quote unquote at risk, I'm still out there exploring the scene. Because I love this city. I love our America. I just want it back. I just want it to be more responsible for themselves. And I hope you do too. I'm Alex Garrett. We'll talk to you soon. Catch me if you can tomorrow. Uh, see what I did there? No, seriously though. Catch me if you can. Watch it. Rewatch it. And and learn about the true story of Frank Abagnale. How he turned his life around. It inspired me. And for goodness sake, stop scrolling. Read Emerson. Yeah, I'm projecting. I should do that more too. But read them. There's no accident that eight years ago I wrote that status and now I got a podcast feature with his name on it. Talking Perseverance. That's all somewhat divinely connected. So Alex G in NYC is my Twitter, my Instagram, and yes, my TikTok. 45-day hold on that ban, by the way. We'll see where that goes. But for now, I'm Alex Garrett. Have a great rest of your Monday night. We'll talk to you soon.